Hey everyone, today's recorded episode of Strictly Hoop Talk features my man Joom return to a podcast to recap what was a historic NBA Finals, all-time great NBA Finals, easily one of the best of the last decade. Um, we saw so many storylines, there's so much that we unpacked in this and so much more that we wanted to get into, um, and it was it was just a really fun podcast. We talk about Giannis's legacy, how the Bucks got to their their championship, how the Suns got here what this meant for Chris Paul, what this means for Chris Paul moving forward, what this means for Giannis's just overall legacy, both right now and in the future. And, um, and also we had a little, we had a little Kanye hip hop talk because I'm recording this on Thursday, the, the day of the release of Kanye's new album, Donda, which we haven't heard yet. So, um, so knowing Joom is a big Kanye guy, I let him get off, uh, get off Kanye a couple of minutes at the end of the, at the end of the podcast and talk about his anticipate anticipation for it. So the only thing I really got to plug is tune into the Instagram live tomorrow at 8 PM. That's Friday at 8 PM Eastern time. I'll be live on Instagram at real Chris Platty, C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. I know you know how to spell real. And I will be talking about the new Kanye album. I'll be recapping the finals NBA with all of you. I'll be talking NBA draft. I'll be talking Drake album rumors, just all other new music that comes out this week and what's to come just musically going forward. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a big late live. I'm expecting a lot of guests. I'm expecting a lot of people to pop in, um, show love, show support. So please make sure to do that. And also some episodes of the wave are coming soon. Uh, stay tuned for that. I know that scheduling due to the uh to the flooding of the freeways and everything has made it difficult to get to Detroit to record but um I will be recording and releasing episodes and segments of the wave on Instagram so peep those and I'll be having a hip-hop podcast soon of course uh, probably reviewing Kanye West's album Donda with a special guest that will be very fun and yeah just a lot of content coming thank you everybody for tuning in i appreciate you without further ado let's get into the intro music and let's talk nba finals recap with my man june let's go Hello everyone, welcome to a special episode of Strictly Hoop Talk. The NBA season is over. The Milwaukee Bucks are your 2021 NBA champions. And joining me on the podcast is my man, June, one of my favorite people to talk basketball with. We're going to get into this series and just, what a, what a series, man. First of all, before we get into the basketball, how are you doing? How's everything going? Yo, yo, what's popping, Chris? What's popping, everybody? Um, I'm excited. I'm happy. 
Um, I think that like inherently, I'm a Heat fan. If you listen to me on this podcast or several times, you know that I'm a Heat fan. Um, but inherently, I think I was rooting for the Bucks uh, a lot this year, and I'm so happy that they've gotten to this point. Um, it's like I feel like you know a kid finally getting to go to Disney World, and um, or even not me going to Disney World, but my best friend gets to go to Disney World, and I get to just be that happy friend waving from you know they Facetime me in or something like that. So I'm happy, man. Right. I mean, once Giannis signed that 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 extension, you're just like, okay, well, now I got to root for him in Milwaukee. So that wasn't the case. I think we all, I think, but the bulk of us were, were extremely disappointed in Giannis signing that. Um, but I think that yeah, he, I mean, it paved off, man. It's it's kind of like seeing your friend date that girl that you you told him about, and you're like, yo, yo, she's bad news for you, and then just seeing him all of a sudden be extremely happy, and you're like. Eh. Maybe I was wrong. So <laughs> I'm not telling my life story here. Listen, no, no, but you might be telling mine. You might be telling mine <laughs> without getting too personal. That, that that's at home right now. But listen, we're here to talk NBA basketball. We're here to talk the finals, man. Um, dudes, just like first of all, this was an incredible finals. Um, I think that this was probably one of the top three best finals of the last decade in terms of just entertainment and you know we definitely needed it after the playoffs which I thought the playoffs were great but obviously what kind of made them great was so many injuries and so many you know changes throughout the throughout the playoffs but overall this was a great great playoff run and a great finals and there's so many things to talk about there's Giannis's legacy there's um, the Suns being up 2-0 and then losing four there's the Drew Holiday trade that was just ever controversial in our group chats we were talking about that uh at nauseum there's the chris paul making it to his finals and making it with his old head coach monty williams uh there's there's deandre ayton's amazing playoff performance uh playoff run but then just a a a a pretty bad uh, a pretty bad last two games a pretty uh pretty much a disappearing act for him uh, there's so many things to go go through. So where is it you want to start with this finals? Like, what is your number one takeaway from this finals? Number one takeaway. Um, Giannis is great. He's a top 20 player of all time at this point. And um, I, was t- I was telling a group chat earlier that I think over these last five or so weeks, um, since that first series, whoever, I don't even remember who they played. Oh, they played us. And, oh, they played <laughs> us. But... But and and I was actually giving credit to the Miami Heat for um, spanking the Bucks last year. But um, because of what happened last year in the playoffs, I think that Giannis grew so much within these last couple of weeks, like mm-hmm. since May or June since the playoffs started. Um, this is a new Giannis that we just saw dominate in Game Six. Uh, it, what it's you know we've seen glimpses of like his greatness I think but this was like peak level and he's just knocking on a door to his prime and so uh, I think the sky's the limit for him I think the Katie quote from 2017 where Katie's like if Giannis wants to and puts it all together he can be the greatest player of all time I think that's become a reality for me that the the, the prospect of that is actually true now mm-hmm. um, I loved it I loved watching it and I was extremely scared. Um, before, like, when it gets down to game one and it's like, oh, Giannis is a game-time decision. Giannis is starting in game one. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Giannis puts up 20 and 17. Um, yeah. and, and, and then, like, game two, he puts up 40. <laughs> and, get, and with game three, 40 plus that block. And it's just like, 
every game you saw him get better, even game five, where it seemed like people were saying, oh, it was a down game, it was a Middleton game or whatever. Giannis had 26, um, what was it, 26, 13, and 8 or something like that, plus, like, the, the like just everything. Yes. Um, the game-winning, the game-sealing duck, and it's just, like, at every point the of eight the block. road. The 8 and block. The 8 and block, and, like, at every point of the world, I mean, of the, of the world, Giannis had his stamp on it. He was the best player in each and every game. Um, which is crazy because we heard all this talk about Giannis not being Batman, Giannis not being great down the stretch, and it's just like, yo, he shuts you up. Um, and and I think and to call you out, Chris. <laughs> um, but you know, we on our, our last podcast we were talking about how you had no faith in the Bucks, which is rightfully so. They were shaky the yeah. entirety of the playoffs, right? That next run, it's like, ugh, like, it, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. Um. But, like, I think the resiliency, um, and maybe we credit Coach Bud, too, for whatever he's doing behind the scenes. Um, but I, I really, I'm really, really impressed by the entire uh, Bucks organization yeah. um, in this finals, man. I'm excited for, because everyone's already rooting, like, everyone's already writing them off. Like, there's no chance that they're winning next year, is what the pundits are saying, is what mm-hmm. most of us are kind of, like, recognizing. The Nets are going to be better, the Warriors, and it's just everyone is supposed to be better. Um, but Giannis is supposed to be better. Yeah, and, and that's and I, I think, think a big scary. key. I think that's yeah. a huge key when it comes. Giannis in particular is just he was not frankly playing like he was in the finals and against that net series. And we all circle back to the net series because you know obviously there's the if KD has a smaller shoe size, you know the Bucks the Bucks are out of the playoffs. All all of that thing that. The NBA playoffs are always based on margin, so I never I never like when they say, Oh, this team will never get there again or this team will never do this again because of because we just see how fluky the playoffs are. And the big difference is Giannis in that series and that Nets series, that's so important and I think one of the most important moments of the entire playoff playoff run. Giannis was playing well, but he was not playing like he was in the finals. And I think now that He's done that. You're going to see that. You're going to see him be able to go to that place more often. And that's something that, you know, I credit, like when I think of Giannis, I think of, I think of the Warriors in 2015, right? When they made that jump after, you know, having some solid playoff runs. But again, it was kind of like the Bucks. Like they never got to the conference finals. They just, they just, boom, they just made that coaching change, got over the hump and, you know, right away. And, you know, and then the next couple of years, they were, you know, they were just as good, if not even better, um, especially when they got Kevin Durant and those players, Steph Curry, all those players that all of a sudden, once they got to their first finals and won a ring, they understood, oh, I could be this good all the time. Like I have the confidence now to do this. And I think that's what we're going to see with Giannis next season. And so, well, you know, roster roster wise, you know, they're going to have a lot of tough issues to figure out. They're going to have to hopefully be able to get Bobby Portis back on a good deal. Um, you know, all of the things that they they have. Yeah, he's going to get he's probably going to get paid unless he just loves this team so much. And I just, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't Which know. Which is viable. I, I think that's extremely viable. It is. It is, but it's also easy to say it's viable when you're not the one getting offered an extra, you know, like forty million or whatever, whatever the whatever the number is. But um, another underrated part of this is Dante Divincenzo missed this whole playoff run. Exactly. Yes. Um. So, so that's that'll be some. So they'll be a better 
they'll be they have the tools to be a better team next year especially who knows maybe they get like a ring chaser or something something along those lines to help kind of uh to help kind of rebuild the team but overall this is mostly the same roster yeah i was gonna say i mean the dante uh part of this right it's like and my guy charles would say this if dante was here they sweep through they don't sweep but um so much of it is is easier because dante was your best three-point shooter um Mm -hmm. for the most part and um so much of what happened in game one and two of these finals if they had a dante who was consistently knocking down threes who was also doing extremely well defensively so much of game one and two go I, i think there's there's a chance it goes differently um but one thing that I've been kind of rationalizing, too, is that Drew Holiday, for ev- all the criticism he got from an offensive standpoint, he had he averaged what he averaged the entire playoffs at 17, 9, and 6 with two steals a game. Um, that's Those are extremely impressive numbers from a yes. point guard who's also locking down, for the most part, whoever the opponent, opposing team's best score is um, within the Bucks system or whatever. I, I would argue that if Drew was slotted at the shooting guard position, which he doesn't need, once Dante's there, that there's no need for that, I believe. But if Drew didn't have to handle so much of the point guard responsibilities, um, I think we see a lot more efficiency from him from a scoring standpoint. Um, a lot of that's just more catch and shoot or more slashing opportunities or whatever. What we saw, you know, some of those times with the Pelicans or whatever. And so... I, I think that they could, if they could covet, you know who would make sense for this team? Who's that? That 37-year-old Chris Paul. Yeah. <laughs> like, next year, like, um, it's probably not happening. Uh, there's too much pride probably at stake there. But um, I think finding another point on another ball handler to slow things down, to set them up when they need to be, um, to give, I think Giannis had to do a lot from, like, a, a grit standpoint, a commanding standpoint, right? Leading his troops. I don't necessarily know if that's who he is. We can see we can see him do it. Um, we've seen him done, do it and do it well, I guess, this uh, series. But I think he'd much rather just be the worker, the worker bee, right? The excellent, the best worker bee there could possibly be. And so um, I think getting a, a steady, solid point guard uh, would help him a lot from, help them a lot. Yeah, I I agree with that a thousand percent. That's what they need, and I think you you don't have to look far for the example of that, and that was their opposition, the Phoenix Suns, and how you know this team clearly doesn't get there not only with Chris Paul but without a player like Chris Paul, an orchestrator like Chris Paul that's able to allow Book to have his moments, but then also be able to find Aiden and get the most out of Aiden as a role man and as a as a finishing big and then also be able to um, get get those skip passes to Macau Bridges and and Jay Crowder on the wings and all of that like he just he made so many great decisions throughout this playoffs and you know I know that's kind of um, you know going against what he did in the finals because he had a lot of turnovers and, and he struggled a lot with the ball in the finals but that type of player was exactly what the Suns needed. And I think that it should have been to all NBA people a wake-up call that there aren't many Chris Pauls in the league, not in terms of talent, but in terms of mindset and approach to the game. And we just saw how extremely valuable it was because that Suns team, Chris Paul is the difference. Even if you give some, give them a an all, another all-star caliber guard, um, like let's say, I don't know, uh, somebody who flirted with an all-star all-star ballot as a guard this year say shea gildress alexander Trey, shea. 
yeah. I don't think this. Um, I don't think this team is making the finals with the with exactly. the Shea Gilchrist Alexander. They needed a Chris Paul to maximize the rest of their team, and Absolutely. you know the Bucks. They don't necessarily need a Chris Paul because obviously they won a championship. But a Chris Paul would, like you said, do a lot for them. Allow Holiday to slide into a more comfortable role, um, relieve some pressure from Giannis because the numbers that Giannis was putting up. Everybody talks about the points and how he's. You know, the third player uh, in NBA history to have an, uh, an MVP, finals MVP, and defensive player of the year. Right. It's just him, Jordan, and Hakeem, Hakeem, and that's it. Like, the most I special mean. company you could be in. But that 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 assist-making, that playmaking, did not really get enough credit for Giannis, especially when a lot of times he's a role man, and when you're a role man, you know, you don't really have most uh you don't really have too many playmaking opportunities so the right. fact that he was able to average like five assists was absolutely incredible throughout this and those series assists, those assists weren't just like your typical like oh just pass the ball chest pass or something like that these are really yeah um calculated really like like ingenuine like passes like these are amazing passes he was um throwing out here um and i think that like one thing when we talked about this is a Giannis that just unlocked like oh I can actually do this. Um, I think he could he one one thing that the Bucks realize is that Giannis could be a post passer. Like yeah. Giannis can like set up so there's so many they're like a lot of their sets came out of Giannis just posting up, them finding him the ball and then him making the right wraparound pass. Um and I think that's like that preserves his energy on one end if he ever cares to preserve energy because clearly he doesn't yeah. care about it but like i think that like when you don't have to work to make a play happen and when you don't have to work your tail off just to get a shot i think that like that shows your mastery um and, and that's important and so i forgot which uh it might have been bill simminger someone um some pundit who was like yeah like who used the word mastery oh no no I, i'm wrong it was one of my friends who used the word mastery for Giannis, and i was like what but it was like, yeah, like he stepped into some 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 epilogue of mastery here, and it's not totally there yet. Um, but I do think that you, as the Bucks, you optimize this window. I think the Nets only have a year to actually try to compete for a championship because they're they're all free agents within um, a year or two, and so you got to pay them all. That's probably yeah. not happening, you know. And so do what yeah. you can now. It's just incredible, man. I was going through the Bucks transaction history. And just where did things, there were so many places where it did go wrong and it could have went even more wrong. You know, the drafting of Jabari Parker, the um, the trading of, um, of like, and not a big one, but like Ilya Silva trade when you trade him for nothing. And then you trade Tobias Harris for essentially nothing. And look at what Tobias Harris ended up becoming um, and how well a guy like that could fit on a team like this today. Um, you know the the fact that, but then they you know they caught the brakes of acquiring Chris Middleton in a in a as essentially a throw in in a piston trade, and it just is really funny because 2018 is when they they draft Dante Divincenzo, uh, they sign Pat Connaughton, and they um, and they sign Brooke Lopez, and it's like that's like the that's where you really start to see this team round out into becoming what it is today, um, that three years ago. And now they're an NBA champion. I just like looking at the at the history of of, of transactions among these teams and, and kind of like what what propels them. And then you look at the Suns on the opposite end of the spectrum, which we'll get to them. I wa- I do want to get to. Um, we talked about it. Uh, Giannis's you know legacy, talking a sense of being a top twenty player of all time. But I want to get more into the where Giannis is currently. 
because um, I've been having a debate with some friends. But before that, I do want to get into the Suns side. And really, the timeline starts in 2014. You know, when you draft when you draft Devin Booker at 13, and you know, and then you give him all those all those years of going through those. Uh, I mean, he he had the Goran Dragic on his team when he started, and his first season was the season that they traded Goran Dragic away to Miami. Um, and then you give him essentially no point guard. He he came in the era where uh, where there was three point guards, and then they went down to no point guards in Phoenix. And then you know, and then he has Ricky Rubio, and and now Chris Paul, and it's just what what a journey. Um, obviously the Aiton pick over Luca and Trey, and you know, obviously you know, there's still there's still conversations about that, and that might actually if Aiton if Aiton is what he is most of the playoffs, um, for for quite some time, then it actually looks like I mean they still took the the worst of the three, but it looks like a a a draft where all three teams got kind of what worked for them, you know? And yeah. um, the, the the signing of Drake Crowder in the offseason was huge. The drafting of Mikel Bridges in the in the trade with uh, in the trade with Philly was huge. Cameron Johnson was a guy that I was screaming about on this podcast forever. Um, and then of course you have Frank Kamitsky who surprisingly gave you ten good minutes in game in game six with the back against Thank the wall. I was watching with some friends, and one of my friends is rooting for the Suns hard, and he just goes, and he just utters, and he's just doing this completely naturally, and it totally, it totally cracks up the entire room. He just goes, he just starts clapping, goes, "Come on, Kaminsky!" and it's just like he's cheering, and like I'm just like, "Yo, cheering on Frank Kaminsky in Game Six of an NBA Finals is just something I never thought in my life I would ever hear, (laughs) ever hear." But you know, it's interesting how these how these two teams got to where they got to, and obviously the Suns being you know their first uh, their first finals appearance in in forty years, and this is coming off their first playoff appearance in ten years. So it, let's get to the Suns side of it. Let's talk about Chris Paul um, and Monty Williams. Monty Williams, first of all, uh, a class act for what he did going in that Bucks locker room. And congratulating the yeah. uh, congratulating Giannis, but absolutely amazing. This Chris right. Paul thing, man, I it it has to um, it stings for me. Like mm-hmm. you know, I I was very happy with either team winning. As an as a Piston fan, I was able to just root. Um, I had no former Pistons to root against, and I had no former Pistons to root for. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Chris Middleton, if anything, but Chris Middleton was literally just a guy on a, in our basketball camp, like. He wasn't really. Um, he wrote Detroit trade him before he really even had the chance to be anything in Detroit, so right. there was no real real ties there. So I was rooting for Chris Paul because I just knew, okay, this is Chris Paul's. This has got to be his last shot. This has got to be his only shot at NBA championship. And for him to be able to do it with Monty Williams, and if you know the story of Monty and everything that that man has been through and how he yeah. still carries himself, all the respect in the world to him. Um, that was the storyline I was rooting for, and. You know, I just walk away, man, feeling like, especially Chris Paul, knowing that there's no reports that he's unhealthy. Um, I don't think he was unhealthy. I just think he he did not have a good finals. Um, he he didn't have a terrible finals. He had a good game one and two. He rebounded well in the fourth quarter game of game five, and then he played well uh, in game six in the closeout game, eleven of nineteen from the field. I'm looking at it now with five assists and a steal. So he played he played good. But um, overall, just not obviously the series that 
you wanted from him. He, I saw too many plays where he just passed up an open jump shot, and I'm just like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. It, it was it was tough to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think the like you said, the counting numbers look extremely amazing, right? Twenty, you know, twenty-two and eight for the entire series on fifty, 50 like fifty-five percent shooting from the floor and 52 from this like come on like that yeah. that's what you want from your point guard then you actually watch the game and you realize that he's being kind of like tortured like he's in a torture chamber um mentally it seemed like and then just like from the acid like drew just being on him um i think the the praise here more so than like chris paul just having a bad series i think you really got to sit here and like applaud drew holiday for what he just did for the defensive point guards. Like, I think yeah. that, like, you put on the public stage, on the national on national stage, like, the, the grandest stage of all for the NBA, um, that defense works. Um, and I think that's important. I think that's what validates uh, your Lonzo ball. That's where Cade comes in, and um, we're not just looking for Cade to be this, off, this offensive stalwart, but we're also looking for Cade to, be excellent defensively because of his size and so um but I, I really think that like maybe the hand is bothering it was bothering him from the asterisk like throwing passes because a lot mm-hmm. of his passes were really just you know aberrant um but I, I don't know i think that drew got into his head um drew wore him wore him out as best as possible uh i think that my argument that of why you keep drew on cp and not booker is that if cp was allowed and you saw this in, in ebbs and flows of game six when cp is allowed to get off not only does he like not only is he a threat but he makes every other person a threat like a viable right. threat and so in that i think it was the second quarter or so that the um Suns went on their run to kind of like make bridge the game or it was second and third quarters you see cp kind of like having his best game of this series quietly yep. um until like he had to see a book i mean until he had to see a drew and you see booker was completely like thrown out of it because drew once again snuffed everything that booker could do and so um it's tough for him and i don't i think that like like we were saying our last time together um cp went from this beloved guy in nola to this villain in LA and you know sort of in Houston um but even in Houston he was validated like oh look if CP doesn't get injured the Rockets win the NBA finals day. like the Rockets get to the right. finals and they probably win um and then of course the OKC stuff and then this year he's the hero he's like your he's your you know old disgruntled Batman like stepping back into the spotlight to save the day and uh but what reared his head again for me, was like the evil villain Chris Paul when yep. he pushes Giannis on that in that uh, game five or whatever. Yeah, and it's like yo, it, it it became hard for me to like feel sorry for this man, um, because that in itself is a dangerous like that. We just know that's a dangerous thing that you did just there. Yeah, if Giannis um, doesn't hang on the rim, things you know could go bad. And on a a guy who's you know we don't know the state of that man's leg, but like right. It, it could have been worse than what it started with, you know? And so, yeah. Um, I think that was disappointing, uh, for me to see very much. Um, I don't know where Chris Paul goes from here. I think that he's going to be extremely coveted. He can sign a one year deal anywhere and, and it'd be extremely coveted. Um, but, and I'm not like the biggest believer in karma, but like, it kind of felt like that was what was wearing its head. Um, seeing how the series played out, man. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that Chris Paul is in a position where, like you said, he can do 
and go wherever he wants. But I think that just with Monty Williams there and just how well that went, and knowing these basketball players, you know, it's easy for you and I to look at to look at this playoff run and be like, okay, the Suns are never getting to the finals, like as currently constructed, unless they unless they either a have a lot of breaks, like what happened this year, or b people just take leaps and Macal Bridges becomes you know a, a an easy like a, like a, a twenty point per game self self creating scorer and Which DeAndre Ayton, yeah. Which again, things are possible with this team, but um, you know, and Cam Johnson um, continues to ascend and becomes uh, becomes more than just a uh, more than just a, a nice little role player. So, knowing that and knowing how basketball players' minds work, you know, they're not gonna look they're gonna look at it like we were in the finals last year. If we just get a little better, we we win the championship. Yeah, and so I think that you know when when you're in the mindset of a player, and it's a mindset you have to be to have to be successful. Like it's easy for us to look around and be like, well, the best option for Chris Paul if he really wants a ring is to you know take whatever money the Lakers can give him, play there with Anthony Davis, who's you know, and LeBron and blah blah, blah and, and and all of that. But I think if you're Chris Paul, you're probably looking at like I didn't play great, I could have played better. Book is only going to get better. Aiden should only get better. Mikel Bridges should only get better. Jay Crowder can probably be the same version of himself next for at least another year. Cam Johnson should ascend. Um, you know, and we can maybe do some things in the offseason to retool this bench. Why can't it be us? Um, and I think that that's ultimately where it's going to go. And then, of course, again, the, the personal relationship with Monty Williams. So I would expect Chris Paul to stay in Phoenix, but yes, he will have any option he wants. And, you know, it hurts because I do think that this is ultimately his best chance at a finals, unless he does something obvious, like go to the, you know, to the Lakers or to the, like you said, or to, to the Bucks earlier, like you talked about, um, just going for that clear cut. I'm sacrificing and going for the championship uh, and, and nothing else, but to have his own team, to have his own uh, way, in Phoenix, I think that's where he's gonna where he's gonna stay, and and you know, and this this will pro, this might be his legacy. You know, this might be his closest shot. I think it's it's more than likely that it is, and you know, it's just unfortunate. But you know, it's what makes the NBA great. If if every great player ended up with a championship ring, a, a championship wouldn't have as much validation as it does. I think what makes a champion ship great is the fact that you have all these great guys like these Barclays, these or Barclays, these Allen Iversons, these these Chris Pauls, these all these great players throughout history that just were so unbelievably great but didn't yeah. get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mean I think that you just said probably put it um perfectly, right? Like NBA is great because you have greats who didn't get it done. Um and it's you have so many greats that you close your eyes and you read off these stats, you read off these accolades and you're like, but it, like you just read off these things without mentioning the rings. And you're like, wow, like how is this person not a top 20, top 10 player of all time? Um, so I think that's really dope, right? What you just said was mm-hmm. extremely dope. Chris Paul, honestly, if I'm Chris, I give it one more shot, right? And I not and I don't know if the Suns, um, in his mind, he's looking at like just knowing that the Warriors are back, you know, theoretically, the Lakers are healthy, theoretically, um, 
Jamal Murray's back. Like, so theoretically, it just becomes harder. I think Kawhi's probably out for the year. Um, or maybe, really, Jamal could be out for a, a substantial amount of time as well. But, like, it just looks like a harder path to get back there. I think, you know, I think you really consider, hey, Booker's going to get better, um, which we probably need to really just appraise, you know, applaud Booker yeah. for what he did. Um, Booker should get better. Um, but I don't know if those guys are going to get better enough within this off season for me to be like, I'm going to run it back with you guys. Yeah. Uh, and I've, and I've earned enough equity in this league. I've done enough for the city of Phoenix within my one year here that like, I'm okay. Leave. Like I should be okay. Leave. You should be okay with me leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll see how that plays out, man. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think, like you said, Chris Paul could be content without re- – like, he's done everything. I think it was – and I tried – I'm really, like, drawing away from these, like, sports talk shows. But I think Skip was saying that um, – Skip Bayless was saying that he talked to Lil Wayne, and Lil Wayne said that Chris Paul felt like – like, Chris Paul was content just being in the finals. That whether they won or not, he was content finally just being in this space. And I don't know how true it was because losing sucks, but – yeah. Um, it could have been like you. And also, Lil Wayne's on another planet. Yeah, oh, they're, they're, I, yes, yes. Funny enough, I just listened before the uh, before uh, I hopped on here. I was definitely listening to um, Big Bad Wolf or whatever. I'm like, wow, Wayne is really <laughs> in his bag, man. But go ahead, man. Yeah, I think that I, I think that what you're saying is right. I think that he earned um, he's earned all the equity to do what he wants. I just think that players and their and their confidence within themselves looks at looks Chris Paul looks at the ability of of you know they're always going to see their players and their situation way more optimistically than we the media will yeah you know we're always going to look at things like a 2k roster from a media perspective and we're going to go James Harden Kyrie Kevin Durant how do you beat that you know and and that's it and when when you know an NBA player like Chris Paul is going to look like well Booker's going to take a step Aiden's going to take a step Mikhail's going to take a step and you know the truth is you know historically speaking not everybody takes a step and if they do their growth isn't necessarily linear um and so you know counting on multiple steps to be taken by by multiple players in one season is is a very very tough thing just ask my just ask my my 20 what was that 2018 pistons when i when i thought you know i thought god all these guys are young so each uh you know each of these guys come back 10 percent better we're a much better team and then boom next thing you know we could be we were we were like a couple games out from the sixth seed and you know like it just start your head just starts going a million miles a minute then you realize oh yeah kcp is young enough to get where he should get better but he's at his best form and Tobias is near his best form. Marcus Morris is at his best form. Andre Drummond's best form is what it is, and you have to deal with that. And so it's like, it's like, oh, it, it, it hits me that you know, just because somebody's twenty two or twenty four doesn't mean that they're going to be better, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. But but that's again, that's the confidence of the players. That's that's how that's how the players always look at their situation as they look at it from you know, uh, an ultra confident perspective of not only themselves of, of, but of their situation. So I think you're right though. We need to give Devin Booker his credit because the dude was at, it was sensational. I mean, obviously in game, in, in game six, he did not have a game. He would like to have eight of 22, um, Oh, of seven from three minus 15 on the game. Uh, he just look, he, 
he played well all series, and you know he unfortunately had a rough shooting night. I thought he got some looks that he should have made, but uh, but mo- for the most part, I don't think he missed many um, great looks. Obviously, he had that missed layup, which hurt. He had a he had a couple missed open threes, but um, overall, he really just he really <laughs> he really just you know was the victim of great defense. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's as simply put it as it. Like, I think someone was trying to say that, oh, Devin looked gassed. Everyone looked gassed. And I'm like, no, he was getting his butt guarded by, like, he was yeah. getting, like, strapped, man. And I think, you know, like, you you live with you live with Booker having 40 points if you're the Bucks. Like, it made, you know, it's kind of like letting the opponent, the opposing team score when there's, you know, two minutes left in the game and Tom Brady's your quarterback. Like, that's fine. You know, yeah. it's okay. Um, but not, nah, uh, I like big claps up, big, big appraise to Booker. Because I think even before the series, folks were looking at that Clipper series like, oh, once Booker got his nose hit or whatever, like he's not the same. He hasn't been the same or whatever. And so um, Book showed out. He really showed his tail. Um, yeah. And um, I'm, I was impressed. But I, I love like the level headedness of Book a lot of times. Out Like in the game, he, I think he got away with eight fouls in game. Um, game four was a game four game five he got away yeah, with the eight he got away with whatever eight. he um, set nba finals record for most fouls. you know and, i mean uh basketball record for most fouls, right but like yeah. um and and i think he started losing his composure at the end of those games from a like defensive standpoint not getting a foul call like not getting fouls called for him um but i think the composure outside of each and every game before and after the game um, I think that's a really level-headed killer. I think uh, Clay, uh, Kobe, some time ago, um, when he was talking about Clay and Steph, like he's like, "Yo, like these are assassins. Like, yeah, they they put fear in your eye in your life, fear in your eyes, um, because they're not saying a single word to you. They're just hooping, um, and and they're really scary. And I think that like Booker sort of emulated a lot of that. Not emulated, yep. but kind of like that was the essence that was uh, Booker was given. I don't know what trash talk was being. I don't think. I think that's probably the cleanest, except for Bobby Porter's and um, CP at the end of Game Six. Like that had to be like the most friendly um, final series, maybe just you know, just pure respect. But like, yeah, book ball it out. Um, I expect him to get better, but I'm also scared about that progression uh, because Booker's never struck me as a consistently like solid guy. Like there's there's highs, there's a lot of highs for him, and then. There's lows for him from I just consistency, I believe. And so I'm really excited to see how he looks like as the top dog of a playoff team. Um, yeah. And, and if he can develop, because I think unlike unlike Giannis, he has to be a leader at some point. I, I think Giannis yeah. is a leader by play. And, you know, but I think Book is going to have to develop into that uh, verbal leader. And so I'm excited for his growth. I think next year we'll tell a lot about Devin Booker and that, you know, maybe Chris Paul stays, maybe he goes whatever um there's there's a couple scenarios that come to mind if chris paul stays and but maybe you know age finally catches up to him and he really slows down a level and it clearly becomes the book show how good is that team where does it go how far does it go all of that um you know i think i think really uh tells us a lot about devin booker at this stage in his life as a as a leader um or you know chris paul does just straight up leaves and it and again it's it's all back in the hands of Devin Booker and you know how good is that team next year you know like if it wins 30 games you know then what are we talking about with this with this team you know 
um, just it's Chris Paul really worth um, you know 20 plus games in in the finals or you know again I think it could it could just get very interesting with Devin Booker next year that'd be intense Um, if they go right back to bottom feeding Rivers leaves that'd be because that's what happened to OKC right right oof yeah, mm. I, it, I mean, listen, it's it's possible, especially with like you said, the West getting better. Um, all all of that, all of that, you know, things could get things could get very tough for them next year. So I think next year will be an interesting case study for Devin Booker. But Let's, overall, can I, can I throw one at go you? Go ahead. Um, say Sunshine Lonzo. Okay. CP leaves Sunshine Lonzo, and they get away with a trade for I don't know what the trade could be, but. Um, for a sexton. Um, so now you have your offense and your defense coming out of that point guard or, you know, that guard role or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is that a playoff team? So you have Lonzo, Sexton, Book, Bridges, hopefully is still there, and Aiton as your top guns. And you're assuming Crowder stays, right? No. I, I Crowder is no. a one-year mercenary. I, <laughs> yeah, that's he's, fair. He's going to be on whatever team loses the NBA Finals next season. You know, I would say I would say no. I would say that's a team with a lot of talent, but doesn't necessarily work together. And um, I think you need like a like honestly, you know, if you have Jay Crowder on that team, you know, I'm a lot more confident on that team making the making the playoffs because you know you those guys like Jay Crowder and all that um, are very much are very much needed. Like Jay Crowder and Chris Paul's veteran leadership, I think will, right. will mean a lot. I think Monty Williams will do a good job of maximizing whatever he has. But um, yeah, I think that that strikes me as like a two K off season, right? Okay. Like you, like you lose the, you lose the, uh, you, you, you get the same result, but it's, but it's completely ignoring intangibles. Yeah, you know, and you know, Colin Sexton coming to a new environment is obviously going to look to establish himself as as the man. Lonzo's a great teammate; he'll fit in wherever. So I like Lonzo um, anywhere. Hashtag Lonzo to Detroit. Um, oh man, come on, brother. <laughs> listen. Listen, man, he's got to go there. Him, Killian, Cade, 2022 NBA playing tourney, we here. I'm just going to – We Killian, here. Killian Cade. Olympian Jeremy Grant, come on. Killian Cade that? is a really nice, like, backcourt duo nickname. Or Killian, yeah. Killian, yeah, but go ahead, man. Killian Cade, that's yeah. hype. Uh, but um, I'm with you, though. I see it. Um, I get what you're saying. I think, I, think, I think that veteran leadership is what take them over the top. Yeah. Uh, and it's what's going to sustain them. So, but it, it's it's again, it's going to be very interesting to see where where they go next year and how they and how they look. Because if they take a major step back, obviously the narrative is going to shift on, oh, what an overachieving team, blah blah blah. Which I don't think it's that. I think they I think they reached a level. You know, I think things broke right for them. But I think that happens every playoffs for every team. Um, you know, you could just you can argue there's varying degrees of that each season, but this year things broke right for them and they took the most of it and this is a this is a damn good team and it's it's a team that if they would have won the championship they would have deserved to win the championship you know like and, and so that's something that you can't you can't really take away from them i mean they were the number 2 team in the west um in a season that was obviously had its complications and its um and its variables but they were a number 2 team in the west and that's just not so they have uh they have a core to be something but again it all depends on it all depends on what they do this offseason and how they and how they handle themselves i agree um i agree 
And I, I think James Jones, who once again can't be like can't go unnoticed here. I think that yes, um, he's built even himself. With he won him. executive of the year, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's something that it's I guess I don't know if it's because he's a player, if he's just a really good guy that people. Um, I don't know. I, I can see him putting something together if Chris leaves, but just making sure they have the perfect blend of veterans and um, young guys, young, gritty, hungry guys, right? And um, just to, to veer off real quickly into, like, the, the Bridges and Cam Johnsons of the world, they're amazing. Um, yes. Bridges, Bridges has a body type where you're like, what? It, like, uh, my guy Gabe calls him Dr. Eggman because he's so long, right? Like, yeah. and his torso is so small, but... Bridges has all the tools in the world to be your knockdown 3D guy. If he wants to add in a, the, you know, shot creation aspect to his game, like that's another Paul George. Can I throw a name? Um, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Uh, a name that uh, gets everybody riled up. And I'm not saying he can be this, but like when I look at him, I see I see a world in which he's he's a similar level, uh, style of player, and that's Michael Porter Jr. Okay. I see Michael Porter Jr. and Cam Johnson. Oh, and Cam. Okay, not okay. Yeah, yeah not Bridges. Okay, yeah, yes, yeah. I can see that. Um, like if he if he could ever add him if he could ever add himself a handle. I know I know Michael Porter's handles way way be- levels yeah. better. That's what that's the difference is Michael Porter can create his own shot. Uh, but like if Cam could ever do that with the intangibles he has as far as the ability to defend to block shots to um, also to run the floor. Yeah. Seems like it seems like he has a good he good feel for when to cut to the basket. Um, you know, I think he could he could be a hell of a player. He could be a hell of a player. And, and I was about to even like push back and be like, I think uh Michael uh Porter Jr. might want to take some tips from Cam off of this <laughs> the, like defense, like defense. Um yeah. rebounding, even rim running, like all of those things are like you saw Johnson my, there was a stat where, like, before Game Six, Cam Johnson had only taken thirty shots that entire series, um, which is ridiculous when you consider the fact that he was he seemed knocked down the entire playoffs. Um, he was a knockdown shooter. Um, not only that, he was slashing and, and rebounding. Like, I think the it, he could be a, a Michael Porter Jr. throwing in the handle um, and throwing to speak the ability to score at different points of the court. But I think what's optimal for him is to be the like one of the best role players in the league. Um yeah. just a three and D guy. Um and he's a he's a six ten, was he six eight, six um in that space, like he's a tall three and D guy. Like he can cover the perimeter. He can also rotate to the rim and, and, and make a stop there. And so I'm excited for those two guys. Um Bridges six eight by the way. Six eight, yeah. yeah. Bridges is what six six, six seven, like yeah. um potential for him to be an all stars there. Um, and I think that's what the Suns are hoping and banking for. That like, in two yeah. or three years, we're looking at you know Book, Aiton, and Bridges as a new victory. Um, yeah. The and OKC then plus, country. hopefully, yeah, and hopefully you um, you're able to because of contracts, you're able to surround uh, veterans uh, with them, and then you know, and then go over the cap to re-sign your your big three, and then next exactly. thing you know, you have a yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's and that's the blueprint that the Suns have to look at going forward. So I didn't mean to get all Debbie Downer about them possibly winning thirty games. I'm just saying that that's a that's a a somewhat more realistic really scenario true. than I think people think, um, especially because of how how much the West is improving next year. Um, but but they do have as long as you have those three, and you know, and and Cameron Johnson can end up becoming something too. I think you have a, a chance to be a, a a real nice team going forward due to age, but. 
I want to close with I want to close back with Giannis again because, like, I we probably should have mentioned this at the beginning, but the, the fact that a dude who cannot shoot free throws to save his life went seventeen for nineteen in a closeout oh game, gosh, shooting eighty nine percent for the free throw line and just like with total confidence, just absolutely dominated. Not to mention again the defense. Like if he would have got the if he would if if he didn't get those goaltending calls, he could have got maybe yeah. a triple double in blocks. Uh, Giannis was sensational, and I think I've been having this argument with my with with some of my friends, and like to me, it's crazy right now to say Giannis is not top three right now in the NBA. Is that like I don't know how that can be an argument? Like, and I don't give my friend. I haven't given my friend the the time because like when I see, like I'm like listen. I need to sit you down. I need I need time. I need you to book like a half hour of your life so I can sit you down and school you. But he's trying to say Kawhi and Steph, and then Giannis is five. So he still. So I don't know if Ron is still up there. To be honest with you, I think it gotta go in some like I my top three goes, and maybe in no order, but it it has to include Giannis and KD. Yep. And then it's either Steph. Or like I think Steph, LeBron, and Kawhi are your next three. I think I'm putting yeah. Steph in there. Um, I think that's the right five. I just can't see a world in which Giannis is. But five. Giannis has to be one or two. Yeah, and, and the only reason he, the only reason two was a possibility is because of, you know, we saw Kevin Durant's toe just kind of betray him. But like, yeah. but yeah, I, I I can't comprehend that because you saw, I think it's really it has to be extremely daunting, for the guy who was airballing free throws consecutively at some point like just yeah. like you know like there was like every other game he's airballing a free throw for you to go 17 for 19 at the free throw line in the biggest game of your life that's a like that's the definition of clutch like that's yeah you know how like people were saying oh middleton middleton's batman because he's showing he he shows up in the clutch in your biggest game you show up in the clutch with the almost perfect from the free throw line um but then you you can like the the defense I've yeah. never seen someone do that. Can, like never. LeBron will give you a chase down block once, you know, once every two or three games. And I'm ta- like 2013 LeBron was the best LeBron defensively, I believe, right? Yeah. And like he's not doing what Giannis did. He's not guarding the way Giannis did. He's not rot- he's not switching off the pick and rolls the way Giannis no. did. He's not blocking Aiton at the rim. Um, and and to seal a game like that's just not happening. And we've seen I think that's the I think that's my best comp right now as someone who is able to protect guard the rim and then also the perimeter that 2013 lebron but yeah. he's not doing what Giannis did 100 yeah. percent both ways um he's a center he, lebron you know you know like, <laughs> like, and that sounds crazy huh? <laughs> like yeah so I, I i don't know how you i think you know there was a meme where like um it was a picture of book drinking a water bottle and you know, there was wrapped over, like taped over. It was book, right? I think you got to yeah. do that to your friend. Give him the book. On like, this is the case. Like, there's no way you put someone who gives. Um, I think when you rank like players, like what they bring to the court. Steph Curry is a triple A on offense, and he's probably like a C plus B on defense, right? Yeah. So, but that triple A balances out. You know. That, that's Wildly. what elevates him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Kawhi isn't the offensive player that Steph is. He's more like an A plus A, you know, 
double A maybe, but he's yeah. also A plus double A on defense. So they're in the same realm. Giannis really gave you triple A offense and triple A defense. He did. It's like there's just no there's no precedent for that. Not there's MJ, not. um, who was extremely you know, who's excellent defensively, but he's not doing what Giannis did. Yeah. Um and I don't know if people want to actually consider that. Hakeem, who was extremely great defensively, isn't doing some of the stuff Giannis was doing from a perimeter aspect. Right. Um, I don't. And that's the thing I think that we haven't seen yet. And there's always been the pushback. Like, remember last year in the bubble when they're just like, oh, why isn't Giannis guarding Jimmy? And it's always the Bucks. everyone who just chose to listen, it was pretty simple. The Bucks say, look, we think Giannis is most valuable as a free safety. So why do we want him on the best player perimeter wise when he'll be dragged into ISOs and stuff? And we like his we like his chances in ISO defense for sure. But you know, but then we got four other players that can that can beat us. And all of a sudden, when when Brook Lopez inevitably gets burned in a pick and roll drop coverage, then uh, then you know then where's Giannis at to help? And Giannis is nowhere to be found because he's guarding the best player. Right. So, um, so that's always been the thing, but. Chris, I think we saw in the series. Basketball. Yes. Thank you for understanding. <laughs> I try. Defense. I try. I, I try to. I try to do this, and it's people like you that help. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. It just. I think we're. I think we saw it for moments. If you really paid attention in the playoffs, where Giannis was just like, like when Giannis was on KD for a couple possessions late in some of those games, and I think it was either Game Five or Six. It was late in the series. Um. He was he was contesting Kevin Durant very well, and Durant was struggling to score in a series where Durant got almost everything he wanted on PJ, who was a great defender. But Kevin Durant was still getting forty pieces pretty easily, and you know we we've the 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 potential for Giannis is there to see the total package in that we saw him guard the best players on the perimeter and guard them pretty well, and then we also saw him be this elite dominant rim protector and make. You know, obviously the stakes of the LeBron block, uh, the Tayshaw Prince block has yeah. to be mentioned in yeah. the conversation. As Pistons, we we not to, we not forget about the Pistons. Yeah, and <laughs> those are those are some of the greatest blocks in the Aiton block. Those are probably the three greatest blocks I've seen in my life. Right. But if we're just removing context of the moment and what's the most spectacular, that Giannis block from the degree of difficulty of of showing on the pick and roll and oh then backtracking to catch the lob meeting you above the glass or above the square of the backboard and literally just pinning it is un- it's in, unbelievable. It's inhuman. unbelievable. It's inhumane. It's inhumane. And, and people want to argue that this man is not top three in basketball right now. It's crazy to me. Nah. It's crazy to me. And and like you said, he's pretty he's probably he's probably top two because you know it's him and it's him and Durant really uh, well, you know LeBron has has the ability to enter it. But yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, Chris, but what you just said, that when we saw Giannis on KD, right, I think yeah. people are going to remember KD maybe shaking Giannis real briefly. But Giannis got back and contested that shot. I don't yeah. know if people remember that aspect of it. But, K- like, Giannis, Giannis did not allow, like, when Giannis was ever switched on in KD, that was not an easy shot KD was taking. And I, I, I can go back and pull those numbers, and I'm pretty sure KD didn't have, like, stellar numbers while Giannis was on him. Um... But you saw, like, P.J. Tucker, he, like, he boiled him, he fried him, he grilled him, like, he did whatever it took. Um, 
you know, those he got invited to the cookout in the way you don't want to be invited mm-hmm. to the cookout. Yeah, he was he was the he was the roast. Um, yeah. But like like there was, I think it was game six or game seven. Um, Giannis is switched on to Katie, and Katie's trying to you know Katie's going through his patent you know tween tween tween, and there's nothing there. He takes a shot. Giannis blocks it. That's like yeah. That's what you would. I think that's what I would expect. I'd you know I'd expect them to get tough like give each other tough buckets. Um, but I'm giving Giannis the edge when it's just like if Katie's just shooting. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if like I, I I just don't think people watch basketball enough to appreciate the fact that go guys like Gobert they could just well you know be an I Gobert isn't great on the perimeter we saw that but like he's valuable as a rover Draymond Green is probably one of the best perimeter defenders in the league and no mm-hmm. one tends to see that I had an argument on Sunday with someone. But Draymond can switch on most guards in the league and, and be in front of them or frustrate them frustrate them enough um, to pass it off. But he's better served as your rover, as your safety, as your yes. as your commander in the middle of the of the middle on the court. Um, and I think that I don't know, like what you saw, what you just said with Giannis, like there's no way someone giving you um, at the beginning of the season and even last year, I think he was averaging 30 points, 30 and like 11 and like six. There's no way. There's no way someone doing that from an offensive standpoint, and also giving you what he's done defensively isn't a top two player in the league. It just can't. I'm sorry. Listen, man. Giannis averaging 35, 13, and five in the NBA Finals. Come on. Like, <laughs> dude, dude. What what are we talking about here? This yeah. dude is spectacular. I don't care how he gets his points. Yeah. And that's why you know everybody always loves to talk about the shooting and all that. But listen. If he just honestly just establishes more of a dominant low post game in terms of not just scoring, but in terms of being more comfortable making those passes out yeah. of it, which we saw him, we saw him taking up a level. But if he can go even another half level with that, it's like game over with the modern day spacing that he'll have around him. You know that 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 Shaq didn't really have like that. Yeah, you give you give somebody a more a, a more just fluid and nimble Shaq with um with an NBA that's downsized and becomes smaller. Yeah. And then on top of that, you give him shooters around to pass out to. Like It's just like, dude, you're looking at a player who has all the tools to be one of the best of all time, already is an all-time great, but has a chance to be in that crazy, crazy exclusive company. And that's something that, you know, I, I, wondered, I, I wondered a year ago with some of my friends just talking, you know, what was... What's the what's the next LeBron? What's the next guy that we really see enter that threshold of like greatest of all time conversation? Mm-hmm. And like the two names I said I said that are possible right now to me is Giannis and Luca. Yeah, that's it. And you know, and this is why Giannis has absolutely stepped up and he has been sensational. And you know, I'm just I'm just happy, man. Happy for the Bucks. Happy for Giannis. First title in 50 years. So shout out to Milwaukee. So poetic. What. What an NBA Finals! Giving yeah. you a fifty piece, uh, fifty so years after your title way. drought, then going to what was it, Chick Fil A on his Instagram live and ordering a fifty piece. Oh my god! Yeah, this is great. He's man. so inspirational. I mean, and, and the last thing for me, right? I think that we didn't talk about this, but Giannis to the game of basketball, and actually, and we don't have the time for it, I guess. But like Giannis to the game of basketball, Giannis maybe to the world at this point. Um, you got to be rooting for that man. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and I think that, you know, him being Nigerian, like, and I, I'm Nigerian as well. So there's a lot of, like, 
ties. There's a lot of like re- relation there for me where um, so many of our Nigerian parents and like our ancestors, like who had to leave the country and immigrate, emigrate elsewhere, right? Um, to start a better life, to potentially build a better life for you and your kids. Um, we hear Giannis' story. He was sleeping in gyms to avoid neo-Nazis and Greek. He was like, it, like his mom is on the street. Him and his him, the his brothers and their mom are on the street selling just to just to find, like, just to have enough to buy food. Like, um, that's when you talk about get it out the mud, made it out the slums. Yeah. This is that story. This is your slum dog millionaire um, story. Um, and it, and to have a soul that seems so full of life too. Yeah, like, like, yeah, like. If you, I watched the press conference um, after Game Six, and he's like, like, yeah. I, they said I couldn't make free throws, and I hit my mother, you know, I hit my free throws, yeah. and I'm a freaking champion. Like, and you just see that, you know, um, he like he was happy to be there, and I think that we a lot of times I was talking to a, a friend yesterday who doesn't watch basketball. She doesn't watch basketball, but she was like, a lot of times you'll see this, and people are like, oh yeah, we're we're going to run it back next year, like oh we're going to make it back here next year, whatever, and. A lot of times they don't appreciate the gravity of what you just did. And yeah. for someone who was a, a virtual zero in this world to be number one, to, to be able to sit on the throne of the NBA and be number one in something, um, that's a beautiful story. And I'm extremely Absolutely. impressed. Um, I'm in gratitude that we got to watch this. We got to watch him from 2013 up to now. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that, Jim. That's an amazing element that I would have, that, you know, I. I, I was watching throughout this series, uh, or I was watching, you know, that story. I was getting more into Giannis' backstory as I, um, as the series progressed, as more pieces came along, and I just, I always, I always knew vague, vague things about Giannis' backstory, but, you know, never took the time myself to actually dive deep into it, and then I saw some interesting tidbits, and I was like, oh, wow, like, I really need to, you know, re-dig in more to it, so... I'm really glad you brought that in because you know it is a it is a very inspirational story, but at the same time, um, the humanity the the hu- human the human side of me just wants to wants to also say that you know while that story is inspiring, it also shows that we as people have a long way to go, yeah. not just here but everywhere. Yeah. In terms of in terms of providing quality life for everybody, mm-hmm. but uh, wow, what a what an absolutely dominant what an absolutely dominant playoff performance! What a what a historic run and you know again this is again you can't you can't ask for you can't ask for more in a season where everybody was suspect about the about the NBA what it was going to be uh you know if we were going to even be able to get through it was it going to be a worthwhile championship the answer to all that is yes everything was worthwhile to get this story yeah. to get this um to get this level of uh of of basketball i mean again i think this is a top three series of the last top three finals of the last decade yep. you know like i mean the only ones that really come up are the 2013 first miami heat uh championship against the spurs mm-hmm. and probably the 3-1 comeback yeah and then this and that's yeah. it and that what and this one might not be third it, it, it might, might be two i mean I, I would argue it's probably one for me but yeah yeah it's, it's beautiful uh storybook ending to a really interesting season absolutely absolutely so one one quick question before before we go here and that's ultimately i want to i want to just throw this out there so this run that Giannis just had in the playoffs right this reopens in another mvp for him right i agree yeah 
Yeah, like I think I think that you know, until he won a championship, that MVP door was closed. Yes. Um, and so now that's reopened, and I would say he's honestly right now he might even be the favorite. Yeah. Just because of how great he was, that as long as he's somewhere near his his previous levels, and you know, and then we get another year where you know there's really not a strong other candidate or the other strong candidate just misses some games. Then uh, I I I would I would I would be surprised if Giannis isn't the favorite or one of the favorites for the MVP next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the other thing the other thing I have to ask you is, we're on the eve. This is hip hop now, but we're on the eve of a Kanye West album drop. <gasps> you ready? Um. All right. Uh. Let me let me answer the the lesser of these the lesser of these questions. Right. But um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely think it opens up another MVP uh, possibility for him um, whenever it comes. And I think that I'd have him, Luca, and Steph as, like, my three favorites going into the season. Um, but, yeah, like, you, like I think, once again, he's won everyone's heart. Um, yeah. You have nothing negative you can say about him. Um, if, he, if he wants it, I think it's his. Um, I, what I'm excited to see is, like, him incorporate, like you said, the post-game stuff. Um, I, I would beg him to just go hang out with Hakeem, go sit with KG, go hang around like Dirk. You don't even have to be on the court with him. Just be in their presence and gain their yeah. presence of mind. Um, I think he has the world in his hands now. Um, I'm excited. Uh, definitely excited for that. Like, I, I think those three are the names, Luca and Steph. Um, but like no one has everyone's ear as much as Giannis does, except for Dane, right? <laughs> for whatever yeah. Dane decides yeah. to do. Um, and then Kanye. Yeah. Kanye, like, I don't think there's a Kanye hive. I think we're the Kanye cult or the Kanye, like, the church of Kanye. Whatever it is, like, yeah. um, uh, I'm so excited for this uh, because this is one of those things. And this is on brand with Kanye where, like, say nothing for some time and then your actions say everything. And yep. um, for him, I don't know why he's still trying. Like, I don't know why i don't know if he feels like he still needs to put this in people's minds that he's the greatest artist of all times in my in my opinion he's the greatest artist of all time not the greatest rapper right but just when it comes right. to pure art you know like from music like musical art like he is number one um so i'm excited i don't know if my heart will take it if it's not as good as like i like i'm i'm thinking it's supposed to be um like, I was literally arguing with, not arguing, but I was like, I was a betting for Kid Sea Ghost earlier today. And I'm like, that yeah. album's that, that album's great. It just felt like a big thing. Like, that shit award, won awards or whatever. And people didn't agree. Um, right. But I think here, like, Donda, like, this is probably his life's work. Um, and I say that because of the homage to his mom. But, like, right. this is something where you're like, yo, you're putting every single egg in the basket here um, because you're honoring. And you're uh, memorializing your mom in this, so I'm expecting yep. like great things. And that's and that's what somebody said to me yesterday. That flipped me. It really it really flipped me in that I was coming into it as also a big fan of of his music. I won't go as far as to say what you say. <laughs> however, I won't. However, I won't. Di- I won't. I won't. Um, I won't just belligerently beat down whoever whoever says that because Kanye is one of my favorite artists of all time. I I won't say he's the best artist of all time or um or of our generation or anything like that, but he is certainly he's certainly somebody that is it's not crazy to put them in that conversation. 
for me, so I'm a bit. I'm coming into this as a as, as a huge fan of his music and and what he and what he does, and I I was also just like, if you can give me something, you know, that's the level of let's say like uh, Life of Pablo. That to me is like was like one of you know is like album seven in his discography, yeah. which is like a but still crazy good. If you could give me something of that level, something just above. Uh, Yay, Jesus is King, and Kids See Ghosts, which are all three projects that I also very much like. Mm-hmm. If you could give me something above a, a level above that, I'm I'm geeked, and that's all I was that's all I was expecting slash hoping for. But then when somebody when when I put it on my Instagram story and somebody said the fact that it's named after his mom got me feeling like it's an instant classic, and I'm like, you know, Kanye don't talk Kanye talk the way Kanye talks about his mom. I mean, you're right. I mean, to name something after after your mom, after your late mother, that is too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard not to think that he's really passionate about this project and about um, and and about this. And I like the rollout. I like that he hasn't that he hasn't said anything. That he hasn't done any. That he hasn't done anything. He's just literally just let everybody else around him say one word, yeah. say words, you know. And he hasn't he hasn't done anything crazy. He hasn't been in the spotlight. He hasn't done anything so i'm excited man yeah now like even like mind you two months ago you know we were talking about kim and and kanye having a divorce and and even then he didn't say much we didn't hear anything out of him um so i think there's a focus aspect here it feels like you know uh my beautiful my uh, beautiful my dark beautiful i can't even say mbd my beautiful beautiful right i like it, it feels like that rollout you know there was there was a lot of like echoing about it um, but it feels like he he got away for a couple of weeks or months, locked himself in the studio, um, and really came to peace with like came to, together with this. And so, I'm excited, man. I, I think he's also really petty because of yes. what he's doing to Nike. <laughs> I mean, what he's doing to yeah. Adidas. Oh, uh, but it's Kanye. You gotta love it, man. Absolutely. You gotta. Love Absolutely, it. man. It's one of the biggest hip hop releases of the year for sure. Yep. Um. It, well, it will be. Which, you know, assuming well, we we also get some other big dogs. But what's your album of the yeah. year so far? J Cole off season. It's okay. not close. Okay. Not close. Got you. Got you. Um. Respect to Tyler. Respect to Vince Staples. Um. Respect to IDK. Yeah. Or some people are calling him IDK West. Oh. Because well, how much oh, he yes, sounds like just, Kanye. I, yeah. You know it's great. IDK. Uh. Grew up with the guy. Uh, so really? he actually, yeah, yeah. So just a couple of weeks ago, July. He's so talented. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy where we started from with that. Like, yeah. But but that's someone. And just a quick story in IDK. Um, we went to we went to church together, and then um, we were at, we were at a, the same community college, and um, he's just someone who knew he wanted to be great, and he kind of carried it with him. Um, to the point where you know everyone is. Or running in classes or hanging out at the um, community college. This is a quick story, but like I remember times where he would just sit outside on a bench by himself and he's just writing raps. Um, and I remember him carrying like these gold beats on him, like everywhere he <laughs> went and just writing rhymes. And so I'm so happy for the guy. Um, a couple weeks ago, he had that's a, awesome. He had a community event in uh, my neighborhood, and um, that was pretty dope to see everyone out there. So big ups to you. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to IDK. Shout out to him for doing the Harvard thing yeah. um, with the uh, with the setting up setting up schooling uh, with with Harvard. That was really dope as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. Enough hip hop talk on a basketball podcast. Listen, I just knew I had to I had to ask you that I uh, whether it was off mic or on mic, man. Because I know tonight I'm gonna be listening to the live stream. I'm excited. 
And tomorrow I'm going to be live streaming on Friday. That's tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern time. I will be live streaming, talking the NBA Finals, talking um, Kanye's new album, the rumors about Drake's new album, oh, man. Uh, all of the all of the music that's coming, all of the, the NBA draft. Cade Cunningham is a week away from being a Detroit Piston. Um, man, it's just what a, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Thank you, June, for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate you. Um, all of your stuff is plugged down in the description of this podcast so that you can check him out and everything he does. He's um, he, he's a really talented guy, and that's why I love having him on here because he's one of the few people that I genuinely enjoy talking basketball with, even if it's just an, even it's it's just chambers and chambers of uh, of ideas that open. Anytime he says something, it opens it opens five chambers of my mind of where I want to go, and he and I know I do the same to him. Yeah. So I love talking basketball with him. Thank you, man, for coming on the podcast. I greatly appreciate you. Thank you, Chris, man. You know, um, it's it's life, it's family here. Like I love it here. So appreciate you, man. All right, man. I'll be having you back on when Dame inevitably gets traded. Ooh, Miami Heat. Let's not go. to the Pistons, though. Miami We're not Heat doing that. <laughs> Yes, yes, he could go to Miami. We're not trading the number one pick for Dame. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Portland. I'd be so sorry. We're not you, doing you it. You think he gets dealt before? I mean, on trade on uh, draft day? No. All right. This is no, no more questions. I, I think no more questions. I think it's too. Too. Early. Yes. I. Yeah, I think it's too early. I think it's one of. The, I think it's going to be more the Harden timeline, okay. beginning of the season or like late in the off season. Okay. I'm with it. But. I think he's getting traded. Uh-huh. All right, Jim. Thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate you. Yes, and uh, I'll see you on the next one. All right. Sounds good, man. See you. See you.